Tonight we are blessed to hear from Sister Sheena, and I am excited to hear what the Lord has to say through her, and she has been a testimony and watching from afar. I'm very excited and proud to see how she has reacted through the trials, as we all have and go through. Thank you. Let's just give that Lord that hand clap of praise right now. give honor to our pastors who are abroad. I know that they are doing the work of the Lord and although they are there ministering what is amazing is through their ministry we are part of what's happening in Australia. Amen? That's a powerful thing. Because that means whatever seeds are being planted there and whatever harvest they get, we get to be part of those first fruits. So we get to taste and see how good the Lord is abroad as we taste and see how good he is here locally. And that is the promise that he gave us is that as we labor, we will get to receive those first fruits. So I want to thank the Lord for pastors who care enough to be willing to stay just a little bit longer than even the wedding to minister to a congregation there. I'm grateful that we have pastors who are so caring and loving. Yes, let's just give them a hand clap of praise. This evening, I am not going to belabor the word. I'm going to jump right in. My title is called Becoming Tsunamis. I'm sure you all feel the force of that. If you don't, I'm going to say it one more time. Becoming tsunamis. We're going to start with a passage of scripture. I'm going to start with Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 25, and we're going to go through verse 29. And I will tell you, I took this scripture. The Lord had been dealing with me for a while, actually, in regards to this message since pastor a few weeks ago used this section of scripture in one of his sermons and he was talking about how God will shake things up. Does anybody recall this message? That was not the whole premise of his message. That was just a portion. But I thought that is so powerful. The, the concept that God shakes things up. So this is that passage of scripture. So we're just going to go through that real quick. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped, not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, whose voice shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace 
whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So from this passage of scripture, we see God is going to shake things up. And he's not only going to shake things up on the earth, but he's going to shake things up in heaven. And when he shakes things up, anything that can be moved, it's going to be moved. And the things that which remain, those obviously could not be shaken. Amen? Now I'm going to give you a lesson about what God created here on earth to explain this concept through tsunamis. Everybody say tsunamis. Tsunamis are a series of enormous waves created by an underwater disturbance most of the time. I took this from the UNESCO site, so this is, this is the prime information here. The scientists, this is what they say. And the underwater disturbance is usually associated with earthquakes that occur below or near the ocean. So the first thing is tsunamis are enormous waves. We know that. But the question is, how do you get a tsunami? How do you get that wave? The answer is, it's usually by an earthquake. But it has to be a tremendous shaking below the ocean. So it's not necessarily something that you're going to feel here. But out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, there's going to be a disturbance. Not here on the surface, deep below, in the ground, there's a shifting, which causes these waves. Now, this is, this, is not, this is not the Bible, okay? But this is what it says about tsunamis. The first wave is not often the largest wave. Often, it is the second, third, fourth, or even the later waves that are the biggest with a tsunami. Most tsunamis are caused by earthquakes in what they call subduction zones. Now, I'm going to explain to you subduction zones. Subduction zones are especially powerful because it's two plates that are moving towards each other in harmony. And usually one of those plates that's moving towards the other plate, okay, and usually it's an older plate that slides, science, slides underneath a young ocean plate. That is the most powerful earthquake force that creates the biggest tsunamis. Are two plates that are moving towards each other in harmony. Usually the older plate undergirding the younger ocean plate which causes such a significant disturbance above 
that a tsunami wave occurs. But for that earthquake to cause a tsunami, it can't just be those things. The earthquake has to be, as we talked about, in the ocean underneath. The earthquake must be strong. The earthquake must rupture the Earth's surface. It has to press through in order for it to be strong enough to cause a tsunami. And then finally, the earthquake must cause vertical movement. Everybody say vertical movement. Of the sea floor. So it cannot have its strength dispersed simply horizontally. But something has to go up in order to create a tsunami wave. Now the first point is that it's got to be underneath the ocean. For an earthquake to be strong enough to cause large tsunamis, it's got to be underneath the ocean and it's got to be strong. So the first point is and, and Brother David, we did not talk about what he was going to speak on. And I, we did not talk with the Brother Anthony about what he was going to speak on. But all of this has fit together for this exact moment because Brother David this morning talked about being part of the body. And he talked about how everybody has a place in the body. I'm going to deliver to you that one single drop of water on its own is not strong enough to cause a tsunami level wave. However, when you get a lot of drops into one space and all of those drops and you know there are certain properties with water. Have you ever put water on the table as a kid? Pushed it? Maybe I'm the only one. You push the little, or you blow them. You blow the little drops. What do they do when they come in contact with another drop? A bigger drop. Water is attracted to itself. And it's got more strength when it's connected with another drop. It's bigger. One drop of water will not satisfy your thirst. Lots together do a better job. So how do we shake the earth? Well, first of all, we need an ocean. So that's the body, if you will. We get to be collectively the ocean. So not only can we produce a shaking, but we actually get to be a part of the wave itself through the Lord. So how do we do it? Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. I'm not going to go to Hebrews 11, but I just want to talk about that because we know that if we're going to do something, if, if you're going to have a shaking, what is a shaking? Is it a, is it a, is it a, is it a concept that we talk about? Absolutely not. We can talk about a shake all day long. But here's the thing. Until you get over and you go shake. Nothing's happened. Until I get over and I start.
doing something, there has been no shaking. So, the faith chapter, read it. 11, Hebrews 11, chap, chapter 11, verse 4. Abel brought. Five, Enoch was caught up. Seven, Noah took heed and constructed and prepared an ark. Eight, Abraham went forth. Nine, Sarah received physical power. Twenty, Isaac invoked blessings. Twenty-one, Jacob blessed. Twenty-two, Joseph never forgot his who he was and sent his bones home. Twenty-four, Moses looked forward and away to his reward and left Egypt. 29, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. 30, Jericho's walls fell. Which brings us to why does that matter? James 1 and 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway has forgotten what manner of man he was. We're not supposed to just have this be temporary where we hear what we're supposed to do and then leave the word and leave the commandment and go, I forgot exactly what they told me. Have you ever had a kid? I do this in my home frequently. I'll say to my, my sweet Siobhan, I'll say, go get your shoes and put them away. Any parent knows the classic answer here. I will in a minute. Does a minute ever come? No, a minute never comes. And what do you say as a parent? Do it. Now. Now, do it now, because if you don't do it now, you will forget. This is why the Lord says, it's a natural concept, we should all know. As a parent, when you say go do, da, 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 and the child goes, I will, I won't forget, I'll do it in a minute. I just wanna do these, this little thing that I wanna do, by the time they've done, da, 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 that they wanna do, what has happened? Are the shoes put away? No, the shoes are not put away. And in fact, there's probably two more little piles that now you've gone. Now, because of what you did, now you've got three more little things on top of your shoes that you now have to put away. Thank you very much. This is, this is something that the Lord said, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what's going to happen. So he said, be doers, because otherwise you're looking in a mirror at yourself going, ah, you know what, I see Mm, I've got a little smut there on my face. I probably should wash that off. But if you leave the mirror and you don't go right over to the dish and start scrubbing your face, then guess what often happens? You've walked out to the job with smut on your face because you have forgotten. Because one of the things that, you know what the Lord did that was genius? I mean, he's genius anyway, but you know what's genius about God? You get to see everybody else's face, but the one face you cannot see without a mirror is your own. Now tell me why that matters. Because if I don't have a mirror, you know what I'm gonna have to do? I'm gonna have to come right over here and get somebody who loves me and say, can you just please tell me what I look like right now? Can you tell me, do I have anything on my face? And you know what? 
The sister in Christ is supposed to be the mirror for me to say, you know what, you sure do. You got something on your face. Let me help you with that. This is not an isolated incident where we're just simply supposed to help ourselves, get through ourselves, walk for ourselves, do for ourselves. This is a body situation where you need me and I need you so that there is accountability, so that there's a partnership, so that we can all be better together. Romans 9, verse 30 through 33. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, or why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, Many of you may look at me and go, I don't even understand that scripture. So I, I've asked if it could be put up in the message because it's, it's very, it gets really real if we can read it that portion in the message. Who in the world do you think you are to second guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vase for holding flowers and another into a pot for cooking beans? If God needs one style of pottery, especially designed to show his angry displeasure, and another style carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness, isn't that all right? Either or both happens to Jews, but it also happens to other people. Hosea put it well, I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. In the place where they yelled out, you're nobody, they're calling you God's living children. Isaiah maintained this same emphasis. If each grain of sand numbered on the seashore were numbered and the sum labeled chosen of God, they'd be numbers still not names. Salvation comes by personal selection. God doesn't count us. He calls us by name. Arithmetic is not his focus. Isaiah had looked ahead and spoken the truth, if our powerful God had not provided us a legacy of living children, we would have ended up like ghost towns, like Sodom and Gomorrah. How can we sum this up? All those people who didn't seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God 
they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them, like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. Isaiah again gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. Careful, I've put a huge stone on the road to Mount Zion, a stone you can't get around, but the stone is me. If you're looking for me, you'll find me on the way, not in the way. So what were the Israelites doing? They were so caught up in sitting at the table and just talking about God. Let's just, let's just talk about, let's just have a philosophical conversation about God. Have you ever just met anybody who just wanted to just talk about, not, not living it, but can we just talk about it? And maybe we'll debate about it. Maybe we'll decide whether you or I are correct in how we interpret it. We're not really living it. We're just talking about it. And you know, as we get so caught up in the talking, we've never done the doing. And that was what the Gentiles were doing because they were going, you've changed my life. I, I, I am going to start doing. My faith has been activated. And because it's activated, I have to start doing something. I can't just sit there and theorize. In fact, many of the people who came to the Lord, they were not scholars. They didn't know anything. They didn't know come here from Sikkim. But what they knew was, I've been touched. I've been changed. Something has come over me. And I've got to tell somebody about it. I may not be as smart as the next person. I may not have the lineage of, the, of Abraham's seed. But I can tell you, something has changed in my life. And i got to make sure that I do something about it. And that I tell everybody. And so what they were saying here was... Where we missed it is that instead of getting into relationship with that cornerstone, we tripped on it. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. This is right after the faith chapter. Right after the Lord goes through all of the people who, who have this great amount of faith. It says, wherefore... Seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to go back to verse 1. It says, wherefore seeing. Now that word is active. Seeing. We are also compassed about. So seeing that we actively have a great cloud of witnesses around us. Seeing actively. Now, 
In the faith chapter, I just mentioned some of the people in the faith chapter. Are any of those people alive today? It's not a trick question. No, they are not. However, you know what this verse is indicating to us? The faith that Abraham had. The faith that our forefathers had. The faith that Isaiah had. The faith that you talk about Elijah and Elisha. The faith that these individuals had. The faith that David had to continue running from Saul and then to come back when God said go back. The faith that all of these people had, it is still active with us. When we talk about the body, and this, this, is what, this is what got me. And we're talking about adding one drop to another drop. We are not talking about the drops that are alive today. We are ourselves added to the sea of believers who went before us. We are not an ocean of only present day believers, but we are an ocean. We are an ocean of believers who tasted death but are still alive in him. They are not yet dead and buried, but they are alive in their faith through Christ. We have a foundation. When you talk about that shaking, when you talk about that plate going underneath that younger plate, right now, I'm not talking about just the pillars in the church who are alive today. I'm talking about those prophets of old who are pushing their faith undergirding our faith. These are the disciples who gave their lives for Christ, who followed and said, I will be crucified upside down for Jesus, who said, I'll be in a vat of oil for Jesus. These are the prophets of old who are undergirding our new young plate to create a tsunami effect in the ocean of our body. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Our strength is not in just the numbers that we have here today. Our strength is in the communion with those who went before, who have established a pathway for us on the road that we still walk. We are parts of a greater whole. You may say to yourself, I lack the strength to create a tsunami. One drop doesn't have it. But when I bind with the ocean, my little drop can become something powerful when it's connected with something greater than me. My little drop may not do it, but I'm gonna tell you what, one of my drops connected with the vastness of the ocean can destroy cities, can destroy countries, can destroy the enemy in your life. And we know that this is true. We have only to look at the prophets in the Bible to see that the mantle continues. We look at Elijah and Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. Elijah said to Elisha, 
Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said to him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Jump to verse 4. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. I already been to Bethel. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went to Jericho. Jump down to verse 6. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. Already been to Jericho. Already been to Bethel. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. Water joined together. Verse 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Go to verse 10. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Now let me tell you what. If you want to see somebody... When they leave, you got to be with them where they're going. If you want to see somebody when they depart, you got to stay connected with them until they go. And what did he do? Elisha, this entire time, he said, I'm not leaving you. You said, stay. I'm staying right there with you. I have joined my mo molecule of water to yours. And wherever you go, I am going. And I will not miss it when you go because I'm right there with you and jump down to 14 and he took the mantle because he didn't leave he saw he saw Elijah depart and so he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said where is the Lord God of Elijah and when he had also smitten the waters they parted hither and thither and Elisha went over and when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him they said the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him I'm going to tell you what although the spirit of Elijah may have rested on Elisha there is a much greater spirit the rest on each of us this evening there is a much greater spirit that rests on each of us this evening I am not here to deliver the mantle of Elijah I am here to deliver the mantle of Jesus Christ he says tonight you can pick up his mantle you can take it forth and you can strike the waters and create a tsunami force effect let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise Ephesians 3, 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Romans 8, 16 through 18, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are. I'm not a child of Elijah. I'm not a child of Elisha. 
I'm not a child of Moses. I'm not a child of Abraham. I am a child of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint, joint heirs with Christ. I'm sitting right beside him. He's sitting right next to me. I'm joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Because you know what? When water binds, it's going to go where it's going to go. And if the force of the wave is going to go this direction, then that's where it's headed, buddy. And if the force of the wave is going this way, then that's where it's headed, buddy. You're not going to be able to say, I'm going to disperse a couple of these droplets. The wave has consumed all the drops that are around it. It's all coming. And it's all coming with force and power and might. We have to rupture the earth's surface. Psalms 27 and 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Acts, I'm not going to go into it, but what did they say? What did he say? He didn't say, go and it's going to be immediate that you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, go and wait. Wait for the promise. I'm going to send the comforter to you. Right now, I feel in the Holy Ghost that we have had a season of waiting, of things that the Lord has promised to us. We've known it in our spirit, and God has said, wait, and we are wondering amongst ourselves, am I in the right place? Am I in the right room? Is it going to happen? What's going on? And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is forming a tsunami. He is building something, and the waiting is just while those plates start shifting because you can't get the right amount of power until you have the right force behind it. And sometimes what requires the force is the weight. So how do you get it? You got to press. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5. And a certain woman which had been an issue which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, for she said, Jesus did not say, a disciple did not say. The pastor did not say. Someone did not say. She said, she said, if I may just touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. When we're trying to rupture the earth, there has to be in our spirit a pressing where we say, it doesn't matter if I can just press through, if I can just get through to just touch I don't have to hold on to him in an embrace if I can just touch his clothes if I can just get a crumb off the master's table I know 
will be made whole. We have to get to the point in our relationship with God where we are not just staying on that fringe, where we're not just saying, well, I'm waiting for the crowd to die down, but where we're going, I'm getting my shoes off. It don't matter whatever I need to do. I'm going to move people out the way. I got to get to the front. I got to get to the altar. I got to press my way through. I got a situation. I'm getting there because if I can just touch him, Something is going to happen. And straightway. Straightway. Not in two days, not in two minutes. Instantly, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. I'm going to tell you what right now I feel in the Holy Ghost. That the enemy has tried to shandorokote plague us with situations and right now I feel the Lord saying if you just can press through your situation if you can just rupture the earth I am going to give you a healing touch straight away but you have to have vertical movement and that is where brother Anthony's message said about pray pray it's the small thing. It's the thing that we think of the last. But pray. Matthew 21 and 13, the Lord's in my house shall be called the house of prayer. Brother Anthony talked about that. Not of thieves, not of robbers, not of worship, of prayer. And you know what prayer does? Musicians, if you'll come. Prayer results in a shaking. Acts chapter 4. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness go ahead and do verse 32 and the multitude of them that believed now here's where it's water were of one heart and of one soul neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own but they all had things common when we get in unity with the ocean we're not looking at each other going, these are the things that are different about me and you. And these are the things that are offensive to me. What we do is we start getting in unity and we start saying, we're a tsunami. We got something shaking and moving. And I want to tell you right now, I feel in the Holy Ghost, if we could all just stand. I feel right now that there have been some issues of blood in the house, that there have been some situations going on. I can tell you for my part, I've had all I am willing to take.
with health situations. I don't know about you, but I feel like saying, God, we're tapped out. And so it comes time for the pressing. Saying, I'm, gonna pr I'm pressing. I'm pressing until the earth ruptures with my vertical prayer. Because I want a tsunami. And I feel right now in the Holy Ghost that some of you have had issues where you go, I've been waiting for, for a release. I've been waiting for something. I'm going to tell you what, you are in the right place at the right time. Your water molecules can join with the ocean and we can create an impact that will rival any other impact that you can do by yourself. That is the key of the body. And that is the key. And you can say again, our church, maybe, maybe we don't have enough. No, 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 no. This is the church of the living God. It includes everybody, everybody whose testimony surrounds us today. If we could just come to the front right now and bring your needs before the Lord, I know that he has a word for you. Thank you, Jesus, if we'll just worship with him right now.